Welcome to the Winning Drive Podcast, where Parkland USA employees discover the tools, strategies, and resources to increase safety, productivity, and success. Here's your host, Ben Fanning. Hey there, Parkland friends. We have a great one in store for you today with Mr. Kirk Borud, who's the 2020 Minot Extra Mile Award winner. He's been driving a truck for 42 years, and wow, does he have a lot of insightful stories and wisdom to share with you today. So we get into the emotional story behind the Minot Extra Mile Award, and then how Kirk felt the moment after winning the award, and then what you learn from driving a truck after 42 years. He shares some great life lessons there and some funny stories, including shooting crows with a slingshot from the cab of his dad's truck when he was a kid. And he's a third generation a truck driver. And then Kirk's hobby when he, that allows him to speak to drivers down in Australia, Morris Code Radio, and even how Morris Code was applied in a hostage crisis. You're going to find that really interesting. And then what it's like driving in 40 degrees below zero, the dangers and how to avoid them. Enjoy this episode. And before we move into today's episode, let's talk about the news of the week. First off, congratulations to Jake Searle, who has been named the general manager of the Pacific Northwest Rock. This is the newest and fourth regional operating center based in Idaho. And Jake has been with Conrad and Bishop for several years and is also a veteran who served in the U.S. Army for five years. Also, we are still looking for drivers. One of our drivers is making an extra $4,000 in employee referral bonuses as he referred two candidates who have since been hired. This could be you. If you know of a qualified CDL license holder, pass their name on to your dispatcher or people and culture manager. Now let's jump into the episode. Hey, Kirk, welcome to the Winning Drive podcast. Thank you, sir. Thanks for inviting me to uh, be a part of the podcast. Yeah, man, we're going to have a great interview. I've been looking forward to this one. Um, we caught up a little earlier and man, this is gonna be a fun interview. So let's kick this off for all the listeners out there. What is the 2020 Minot Extra Mile Award? Well, it was, it was created, uh, three years ago. Uh, we lost a driver, Rick Cantone in an accident, one of our drivers. Mm. And Rick was one of them guys that, uh, always, you know, helped out when he needed, somebody needed help and went, went the extra mile. So they created this award. It'll be three years this July that this award was created. And uh, I guess my, my peers decided that I was going to be this year's recipient of it. So well, go, on, go, go on the extra mile. Yeah, well, big thank congrats, you. man. And so what was it like when you found out? I, well, I, I was actually the last guy to talk to him. Uh, this, this would have yeah. happened about four o'clock in the morning. I was about 40 miles ahead of Rick. Uh, we were westbound out into Western North Dakota. And when I last talked to him, uh, I was about 40 miles out. And a couple hours later, I get another phone call from the boss and asked if I talked to Rick lately. I says, well, yeah. I said, well, did he sound tired or anything up? Or I said, no, I sounded fine. Well, he said, well, he just went in the ditch and he's dead. So, oh. Man, was, that must have been devastating to find it out. Was, it was heartbreaking. 
he yeah. he was retiring within like two weeks. Uh, he just mm-hmm. sold his house. He bought a new farmstead about 40 miles northwest of Minot. Uh, they had all these plans. And next thing you know, it's all wiped out. Oh, man. So, yeah. yeah. But so that's the award was created after Rick. And so this year, this uh, this year, I was the recipient. So I was proud, what a great, proud, proud to receive it. Yeah. What a great way to remember somebody who made a positive impact, not just as it doesn't sound like just in the company but also among his team members. Yes. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He, he helped out everybody and we all got along. So that, that all helped out. So yeah, it's a sad, they said this July will be three years since the accident. Yeah, so. Wow. And, and so, he, he, he was yeah. only actually about, he'd just come out of a little town called Ray and he was only like a mile and a half or so out of town. Hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, he was just getting through the gears and building up speed and, went in the median and rolled the tanker. So we, we don't know what happened. Yeah. Oh man. So heart well, attack, uh, there's moose out there. Did he, did he avoid a moose? Did he lean down to pick something up? We don't know. Oh man. Yeah. That's hard. That is hard. Well, what was it oh. like? What was it like the moment that you found out that you'd won the award? The award. Uh, well, I was I was kind of in shock because you know we were this this just happened like a when did we do our meeting? Perhaps I'll say a month ago. Uh, you know, doing during our safety awards mm-hmm. and uh, recertification of some hazmat training and stuff, and I actually wasn't really even paying attention when I seen Wayne walk up there, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, he just looked at me and says you're it. <laughs> so <laughs> tag, you're it. <laughs> you're tag, you're it. Yeah. So it was, it was an honor to, uh, to receive the award. In fact, when I, when I did get the award and we were taking pictures, I held the, held the award up and I said, this is for you, Rick. Oh man. And so what's it mean to you ha- having won that award in, in his memory and honor? Well, you know, I mean, obviously Rick, you know, was a great guy and it's to follow in his footsteps and, and my, my work peers or who's ever all in, involved on doing the decision on which driver is going to get it this year. You know, obviously they think something of you. So yeah, it was an honor. Oh, wow. Well, a huge congratulations, man. It yeah, sounds thank like you. you're doing a record, right? I hope so. And, and actually every time I drive by the accident site, if <laughs> for what it's worth, I, I say, Hey, Rick and wave. Oh man. Yeah. That's it's, a, it's yeah, hard yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's good. Yeah. Here. I say, but it's, it's, it's an honor to, to receive the award and I, I hope I can finish out the rest of my career and do the company. Good. Keep on, keep on trucking. Let's, let's step, let's step back a little bit to what, you know, I'm curious for, and I bet the listeners would like to hear how long have you been driving and when did it all start for you? I actually started driving tanker in 1979. So I'm at 42 years. Um, I spent my first 22 years with another company located in Minot and spent my first two years in the oil patch hauling salt water and crude oil. And then in 81, uh, switched over to gasoline and fuel and propane and hydrous ammonia, the, the, the rest of the products out there. And uh, about mid-1985, uh, the company that I was working for 
uh, for 22 years, uh, got their common carrier authority. Another trucking company closed the doors and they had uh, a common carrier authority that was up for sale and the company bought it. So we actually start hauling product for Farstead Oil, uh, <laughs> which is our company that we still go by down here or you know up here in North Dakota. I mean, even though Parkland owns us, it's still Farstead Oil on the trucks. So I've actually been hauling product for Farsteads since about 1985. So, well, so do you spent, remember your first day driving uh, behind the wheel of a truck? Uh, yeah, uh, it what was, was it like. Uh, it was different because it had a different transmission in the truck. I don't know if you've ever heard of a five by four, uh, a five main, a five speed main, and a four uh, brownie. So it was kind of something difficult to shift. Hmm. <laughs> I, I was only 20 years old when I started, so I, wow. I was young, yes. And so, so I, I, what was it like getting behind that wheel? Well, I, I suspect it was a little bit intimidating. It, oh, very intimidating. 20 years yeah. old? What you been driving years before old. that, a pickup truck? Uh, well, I'd driven, uh, we had the place I'd worked for before, uh, North American Van Lines, and we have what's called the, the Minot Air Force Base up just north of Minot, and we would go out to the base. So we had five-speed uh, I believe there were five speed, four or five speed uh, pickups that we pulled flatbed trailers with and, you know, went out with furniture and stuff. So oh. the, the basic manual transmission is what I had driven, but you know, then you get in a truck that had a five by four in it. So yeah, it was, it was intimidating. I ground a few gears. <laughs> I remember that starting out. <laughs> what, what was, what do you remember most from the early days? It was fun and exciting. Uh, my grandpa was a truck driver. Uh, my dad was a truck driver. Uh, I just kind of run in the family. So being able to get out in a, a, a big truck, uh, and of course, you know, back then in the seventies, uh, CW McCall, you know, got a convoy going on and seeing all the trucks out there. And I was out in the oil patch where the, the wells were drilling. So it was, it was an excitement. It was a thrill. To, wow. you know, to actually go out there. And so you felt like you were walking in your, in your parents, your, your in, dad and granddad's my, my, footsteps. Did they talk, my, did they tell you stories from the road? Uh, well, actually I got to be a part of the road. Uh, when I was in fourth, fifth and sixth grade, uh, my dad owned his own truck and drove for North American van lines. And during the summer, we would ride with them from four to six weeks at a time throughout the United States. So wow. I I've been, dad, oh, dad said, dad says we've been in all 48 States a couple times, but you know, I mean, I've probably sleeping during most of it or I, I don't remember anything from then, but yeah, we would ride with them during the summer when there was no school. So oh, I got, wow. I got to ride in the truck. It was a 1963 uh, GMC uh, cab over truck with a 318 Detroit in her. What are some of your favorite memories of that time right in the back of your dad's truck? Well, actually, I was in the passenger seat, or but in the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, I'm sure I, I'm sure Unless I snuck it was in, in the, the sleeper cab, sleeper cab or something. Yeah, sleeper cab. Uh, just seeing the highway, the open road. Uh, probably one of the coolest. Well, if you call it cool or not, we used to have our wrist rocket slingshots, and going down the road every once in a while, I try try pick off a sign. Or one time, I seen this crow up in the up in the sky. And I, I shot out the window and that be that, that we were shooting uh, cat eye marbles 
and I'll be oh, damned yeah. if I didn't hit one. <laughs> so you I had took to, out I, a crow. How fast I, was the truck going? I, I I suppose you know sixty mile an hour, fifty five sixty. Wow! So with a slingshot, uh, was, you it, took out a crow. How many yards away was the crow? Oh, oh gosh, I, you know, I suppose fifty yards or so. You oh, know, wow. I mean, it was it was fly, it was flying though. So it was it just was a just a luck shot. That was yeah. a lot of physics. That was a lot of physics going on. Oh, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just, I was just having fun with a slingshot as a kid. Parkland USA is looking for other great drivers just like you, and we are paying you for it. We have an employee referral program that pays drivers for any leads that become drivers for us. Have a friend or family member with a CDL license who'd like to come work for Parkland please pass their name and contact information to your dispatcher and people in culture manager. If they get hired, you get paid up to a few thousand dollars, depending on the area of the country. You are listening to the Winning Drive podcast. Now back to the show with your host, Ben Fanning. What were your favorite stops? I don't know if I really had any real favorite other than probably Florida. Uh, down down on the beach we got to stop and uh go go to go to the ocean because i'd never seen the ocean before oh yeah so growing up you grew up in minot right in in minot yeah born and raised in minot yeah Yeah, so you guys are reminds me of my of a friend of mine uh who grew up in marfa texas and uh he on, on the night of his graduation high school they drove all night to get to the beach and he had not seen the he had not seen the ocean before and he said he jumped out of the car immediately. He ran down to the beach, stuck his finger in the ocean and tasted it. Oh, he's gee. like, man, it is salty. It is salty. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And one of the, one of the first thing dad said, once we got our suits on and went to the beach, hang on to me because there could be undertow. Mm. So, you know, something that would suck a young, young kid, you know, uh, right back out into the ocean, you know, depending on what You're was like, going on. What is this? It's yeah. a lot more than I bargained yeah. for. Well, you know how you see the water come up and, and then it goes back out again. It's undertow and it takes yeah. a lot of stuff with it. So, but yeah, so that started the career in 1979. Yeah. I was there 22 years and now I've been at Farsted Oil for 20 years. And you love cold weather, obviously. Well, I'm a snowmobiler. <laughs> yeah. Mine, that's what you do, right? Because I mean, well, how chilly does it get up there? It's it's been down 40, 40 below. I, I have a picture actually on my phone south of Minot. I was down by Garrison, North Dakota, about 50 miles south, and my digital thermometer said negative 40. Oh man. And so, so what do you do in those situations when you're out driving? Well, I guess the biggest thing is to make sure, you know, and that's part of learning how to truck and what proper fuels uh, to have in your truck. Uh, obviously straight number two diesel does not work up here when it's 40 below zero. Yeah. So it'll, it'll freeze, right? It, 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 well, yeah, it, it's called gelling up. It gels gelling. up on you. Yeah. It takes, takes the, the, the wax and the paraffins right out of the fuel and will plug your fuel filters. It'll be just like, just like jelly. Oh, so wow. that that's where our Canadian P40 diesel fuel comes in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, we also run, uh, back then we were running tank heaters where it would be a loop of uh, aluminum tubing down into the fuel tank and then uh, an- or wa- water lines hooked to it. So it was circulating hot water 
uh, down through this aluminum tubing in your fuel tank. So you actually had heated fuel. So that, that would help from, from Holy gelling smokes. up. Yeah. Wow. So learn, learning your types of fuel, uh, paying attention to what the weather forecast is when you fuel up the day before, uh, just something that you, you get learned, you know, learn how to do, I guess. All right, everyone listening, if you're in a situation where it's 40 degrees below zero, Kirk just gave you the playbook. Well, that's that's one of the things we use. There's also what's called number number one diesel fuel, and that is rated for 50 below zero, uh, where the P40, we call it P40 because it's good, has a pore point of 40 below zero. Wow. And we, we get that, we, we used to run up into Regina, Saskatchewan, uh, just to the east of Alberta, Red Deer. Uh, to the Federated Co-op Refinery up there and bring back our our Canadian, up there they called it seasonal diesel, but down here we hmm. called it P40. So everybody knew it as P40 down here. So, so if you've got that, a driver and maybe they're going across, you know, they're not used to being up in that super cold weather, but they find themselves in a region where the temperature's plummeting and they don't have this special Canadian fuel that you're talking about or the special heater for the tank, what, what's the first step that they should be doing or thinking about? Well, mo- most of the time they get caught with their, well, I mean, if they, if they don't fuel up and blend their fuel off or put a fuel additive in into their fuel, uh, you'll see them, and it happens a lot, sitting alongside the road with a wrecker hooked up or somebody changing out the fuel filters. So, uh, uh, it's, so you it's, lose it's, time and money when that happens. Oh gosh, yeah. Because really, the only way to get uh, to get that thing up and running is into into warmth, into a heated shop. I mean, it's it's rare that you can get a truck going. Most of the time, they come in on a tow hook. If if they gelled up that bad, what a a wrecker. Okay, I mean they got (laughs) towed in because their their truck completely shut down. Yeah, yeah, it will not run. Most of it when they gel up that bad, it will not run. Well. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it happens a lot. So just, you know, one of the things you learn driving truck for, for many years and something you just got to pay attention to. And hope, hopefully the people that dispatch you up into the Northern region, you know, truckers from the South, uh, will give you a little heads up or might have prior knowledge to any weather that, you know, is up North. And so, yeah, yeah that's another thing about this whole deal you know as a trucker it, i you know to me the reputation is hey you're by yourself on the road right you're you're by yourself it's isolating and even a little lonely and based on our earlier conversation i really felt like you challenged that myth a little bit can you share a little bit about that well so my my challenge was to uh, back in 1988, I went and got my amateur radio license. So I am a ham radio operator and I have all the, all my gear in the tanker. Uh, we each drive our own truck and designated trucks. So I have what's called VHF UHF. So re- we have repeaters just like highway patrol do throughout mm-hmm. the United States. So that's FM communications. And then we also have what's called HF. Uh, high frequency and that's where your signal bounces off the atmosphere and comes back down to earth so depending on what frequency i'm on uh, will determine how many miles or around the world that i that i can talk to so like at four o'clock in the morning 
I'm chatting with people in Australia on what's called 40 meters or seven megahertz. Well, what are y'all talking about at 4 a.m.? Uh, well, at, at that po at point in time, uh, most of the people we, we've talked to before. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but most of the time, if it's a new contact, we'll talk about what kind of, uh, most of the people will ask me, well, what kind of antenna are you running on your truck? Mm. Uh, what kind of radio? Uh, and then I do run what's called an amplifier. Our, our standard HF radios put out 100 watts. Your CB, your standard CB radio puts out four watts. Yeah. Our, our radios put out uh, 100 watts. Wow. Then, then I also have what as, as, an, as an aftermarket amplifier behind that. So I run 500 watts out of my, out of my mobile. Oh, so, man. so you guys are totally just geeking out about all your radio toys. Yeah. What, what antennas, <laughs> what kind of radio, yeah. Uh, and so after that is done, then we have, uh, uh, they're, they're called nets. Uh, we have weather nets. So we check in like, especially in the wintertime, uh, we'll check into, I start off with, uh, Kansas and then mm -hmm. I work into South Dakota, North Dakota, Manitoba, Saskatchewan. And then in the afternoon, I'm checking in with Wyoming and, uh, Washington. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you're, so you're you're basically connecting with people in the regions that you've just been to or the ones you're going to, or maybe they're in the area where you're not going to, but the weather's coming to you from. Well, and like, so like the people in Montana, we get a lot of weather out of Montana or up yeah. out of uh, Colorado, uh, you know, storms will come up out of there. So, but we, yeah. we pay attention. Do you recommend this hobby to other truckers? Oh, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hobby. Uh, it, it's, it's actually tough to get somebody to talk on a CB radio anymore. It's, it's a hobby that I, I actually, when I was, uh, in, in high school worked for a CB radio shop, uh, -huh. uh, part-time after school. So that's, that's where I learned radios and I did installs and, and tuned antennas and stuff like that. And I, I thought it was kind of fun. Well, if you, so, well, so if one of the listeners is like, Hey, that sounds pretty interesting. I want to, I want to check it out. What's the first step that they should be thinking about or they, they they would have to well for, first of all you have to get a license uh we, oh. we are we are licensed by the fcc and actually back when i licensed in 1988 i actually had to pass morris code tests so <laughs> i <laughs> so you know morris code i i do but i don't practice it much anymore so so i had i had to wow. pass a, a five word a minute a written test and five Good words grief. a minute another written test, another written test and 13 words a minute. And then I did another written test after that. So, uh, but it, it's not for everybody. Uh, it's, it's just a hobby and I, I enjoy it. So when's the time that Noah Morris code came in handy? Uh, it, it really only comes into play. Now, some people that's all they like to work is Morris code. Uh, but mm -hmm. when, when signals get noisy on what's called single sideband, uh, Morse code is, is, the is the way to go because you can hear the characters, uh, the, uh, a dit and a da, or, you know, a dit and a dash will stand out. Some words are hard to understand when somebody's talking where, uh, like an A is a, a dit da, dit da, mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that tone or that that rhythm will, will hit your head and say, well, that's an A, you know, but I, I've never really had to uh, put it into real play. Uh, 
most of the conversations I've had are, are been on what's called phone or sideband. So it's just part of the requirements. But now today, uh, Morris code has been dropped because the lack of interest in amateur radio, they actually dropped the requirement for Morris code. So you just have to take a written test to, to get on to uh, your amateur radio bands. All right. So for the listeners, if you're interested in checking this out, you don't have to pass Morris code. Although <laughs> nah. there, and you probably remember this story. There were some um, Americans that were held captive overseas. The and, guy was doing it with his eyelids. Right. They were yep. the, I don't remember what, which country. Do you remember the details on that? I, I don't. I, I just, I remember seeing the video and watching his eyelids you know, going yes. fast and slow, you know, yeah, he was basically, so he was being a, a captive was on video and being forced to read something that his captors had him read. Yes. Uh, yeah. as a message to the U S government. Yes. But what his captors did not realize was as he was speaking, he was blinking his eyes in Morris code. Yep. To send a message of yeah, help. That's, that's right. Yeah. Which talking about multitasking, being held <laughs> captive, being forced to read something, and then sending an entirely different message with your eyes. Uh, hopefully he wasn't chewing bubble gum too. I think it's rubbing his belly all could, the same time. I, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, all right. So, so that is a great, that's a very interesting hobby. I think, you know, it's a great, you know, one of the things we, we want, we're really working to do with Parkland and is, is get out the podcast. In the episodes because it's something that people can listen to while they're driving and just like doing radio, right? It's something you can do while you're driving, right? And, and yeah, be just productive and li- listening. Yeah. Just listening and going down the highway. There, there is somebody on amateur radio 24 hours a day. Yeah. And very cool. So, so like when it's four o'clock in the morning in North Dakota, it's eight, nine o'clock in the evening already in Australia. And that, wow. and that's, that's how the signals are bouncing. Uh, uh, it's called the gray line. So we have day or, uh, uh, darkness and darkness and the, the, the frequencies lengthen out, uh, your, your AM FM radio stations, uh, during the daytime, we have a radio station up here in North Dakota that has, has the largest daytime coverage in the United States and Canada, uh, K fire, uh, AM 550. All radio stations during the day, I'll say, run 50,000 watts. But at nighttime, they have to reduce their power uh, because the band waves lengthen out. So they have to reduce power at night so they don't overlap and interfere with other radio stations throughout the United States and or overseas. Yeah, it sounds like a fun a fun thing to do. It, well, said it's just a hobby. Are there, are there any hobbies, other hobbies, um, that come to mind that you've heard of that are great for, for truck drivers to, to dabble in other, uh, than, other than radio? Yeah. You know, it's just, everybody's got their little niche. I mean, I'm into snowmobiles and motorcycles, uh, vin- Ooh, we, and I've, I've been drag racing snowmobiles since the late seventies. Uh, and now we're kind of getting into some of the vintage snowmobile stuff. So we, we actually had a show Northeast of mine about two months ago, we actually had 110 vintage snowmobiles. So we, uh, took, took ourselves, like, I think I took three sleds up there myself. So it's just, yeah, what a great hobby to get into too, because you understand how trucks operate, how engines, how, how engines work, engines well, work rather. That, that, that was a thing that in high school, I took a small engines class and the teacher ended up 
starting and running the Polaris and Honda motorcycle shop up here in Minot. Hmm. And he took me under his wings and I got to come into the shop and learned how to clean carburetors and work on motors. And so it was very, very intuitive to, to learn all that. So, but yeah, like so I said, so that's, that's a great, you, you know, first round of hobbies, ones you can do while you're driving safely and other ones that overlap with sort of the daily skills of driving a truck. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, my, my ham radio stuff, my radio staff stuff, you know, like when I'm coming into cities or have to turn, uh, I, mm -hmm. I try to get off the radio when I'm coming into, uh, a destination or coming yeah, into city focus more, focus, yeah, pay attention. Yeah. yeah. There, there's, there's a time and place for it. Your health matters. Sitting all day isn't great for our health and incorporating physical activity into your day helps counteract that. Our motion program is open to all employees and literally pays you to walk. You earn free money by walking a certain number of steps per day. This money is applied to your HSA bank account and can be used directly to pay for any doctor's visits, prescriptions, or anything else you'd use your health insurance for. The maximum amount of money you can earn over the year is $1,100. Many of our employees have lost significant weight, gotten healthier, and even slept better since they joined Motion. Reach out to your dispatcher and people and culture manager for information on how to get started. It's that easy. Thanks for listening to the Winning Drive Podcast. Be on the lookout for a new episode soon.